Welcome to the European CME Forum podcast. European CME Forum is a not-for-profit organization that promotes multi-channel discussion on matters relating to European and global CME CPD. My name is Eugene Pozniak. I'm the program director of European CME Forum. In today's episode, Margarita Velcheva from Kenes Group chats with Good CME Practice Group members Ono Kalkman and Gabor Pullman. The Good CME Practice Group, or GCMEP, is a membership organization for CME providers based in Europe. The focus of today's episode is how learner engagement with medical education is changing. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. A warm welcome to you joining our Good CME Practice Group webinar today on the topic of changes in the learner behavior and expectations. My name is Margarita Volkeva, and I'm the CME CPD accreditation specialist from Kenes Group. Kenes Group is a medical education provider in independent medical education. And we are a proud member of the Good CME Practice Group. A lot of questions have already been submitted via the registration page, which we have summarized in overarching questions and we will discuss today. And I would like to encourage you to also add additional questions during the webinar in a Q&A panel, not in the chat box, please. And we will do our best to address everything. Before we dive into the discussion, um, I would like to ask Ono Kahman and Gabor Purman to introduce themselves. Today, together with them, we're going to, during the 30-minute webinar, we're going to uh, discuss how learners are engaging in education and the changes they're experiencing. So without any further ado, um, I would like to invite Ono, please. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Ono Kahman. I'm the managing director and founder of Medcon International. Um, we run our company since the year 2000 uh, and recently become part of the US Health Connect Group and the Global Learning Collaborative. Um, we have a single focus on independent education in the field of cardiology and cardiovascular medicine, uh, which includes also diabetes and kidney disease. Um, and our education evolved over the last 20 years from live conferences, masterclasses, uh, standalone masterclasses all around the world, um, to uh, set satellite symposia at uh, congresses like the European Society of Cardiology. Uh, and over the last decade and maybe last five years, we, we really went into the online learning. Uh, we have a leading platform, pacme.org. Uh, and with this platform, we, um, we serve about 90,000 cardiovascular healthcare professionals. And I think so we, we bring a lot of experience with different educational online and live formats, and we get quite some good insights in learner trends and developments. So Gabor, up to you. Wonderful, Anna, well, thank you. Yeah, it is my pleasure to be here. I'm the scientific director at Elevate CME and our company specialized in first understanding the current beliefs and behaviors of physicians when it comes to treating a certain condition and also developing digital online education programs that hopefully will drive and will close the professional practice gaps that exist among physicians. And we have two leading platforms. One of them is more focused on the declarative knowledge evolution. So how patients should be diagnosed, how they should be treated. And we have another platform which is focused more on the procedural knowledge by reviewing case studies how to treat different uh, types of patients and also encourage peer-to-peer -peer discussions. At Elevate CME, we combine medical sciences with behavioral economics and medical education. So hopefully, thanks to our efforts, physicians will have a better understanding how to treat holistically their patients, 
And also uh, we encourage physicians to communicate differently to the patients. So they have a full understanding of the condition. They accept the condition and they do what they're supposed to do. And not just taking the medication, but also taking other steps. So we'll be happy to share our observations, how the behavior of learners evolved in the last years. Thank you, Gaborano. And we're very curious to jump into the discussion. With having said that, I would like to start with the first question we have prepared. Um, so I would like to ask um, you, Ono, what do you think, do you think that there has been an evolution of learning experiences? Um, yeah, for sure there is an evolution, um, especially after two years of uh, COVID. Um, I think we can see the pros and the cons of uh, online education versus the live education. Uh, we can see the, the limitations of online education. Um, we can see the opportunities of live on-site education. Um, and how this all will translate into the future, I really don't know. Uh, we could see, see new le learning behavior. We will discuss that over the next uh, 20, 25 minutes. Or, and I would not even be surprised if we will return to the old world. Um, um, and I was very much inspired by a meeting I had with the European Society of Cardiology last no November in Barcelona. Um, and they this really made me aware about the human factor in learning and the human factor that, that's crucial. Um, and how they described it, that as humans, we use our five senses in learning. And the senses are uh, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching. Um, and over the last two years, we really are um, stuck with the, the, the first two, with seeing and hearing. And these two senses, they are quite, we call it effective and efficient in online learning. And it is because you know, we can reach big numbers. We can do the uh, a lot of the education. Um, but um, <clears throat> I think the experience uh, of, of live meetings on site they really contribute to the, to the learning uh, 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 experience and engagement. And they made a very great example of, 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 uh, of, of uh, looking at a football or soccer match. If you see a Champions League match on your television, just home alone, uh, I think it's, it's nice. You can see the football game and you can enjoy the game. But being in a stadium you know, with 50, 60 out crazy fans and with all the, the atmosphere, this really is something that, that engages and that gives you the experience. And that's, to a certain extent, you, 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 can, you can get that with live meetings and not with online learning. Yes, of course, the, the numbers of online uh, and hybrid are higher. Um, and we see even uh, yeah, more learners engaging in our programs over, compared to the live meetings before. New learners that we didn't see before. So yes. There's an efficiency. Um, um, uh, on the other hand, what we see is the engagement on, over time. Uh, you know, you see, you often see a drop. I don't hopefully we get it in this meeting, but after 10, 20, 30 minutes, you see a drop in the attendance. Um, On-demand learning, you also see, you know, should we go for three, five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? You see a, a drop in viewing time. Um, and especially for this online CME, uh, where we got stuck in Europe with um, a requirement of 60 minutes of, of, of learning, uh, viewing time, this is really uh, a problem because we see high numbers starting, but low numbers completing the course. So, um, well, this is just in a snapshot, my observation over the last two years and with my total experience. Um, so I think the rest is up for discussion. 
Thank you, Arnold. This is wonderful. Um, I, I think we can all relate to the five senses um, of experience. Um, and hopefully there will be changes in the requirements on the European environment, uh, such as uh, something we heard last week during the fifth UMS um, conference that the creditor is deciding on reducing the 60 minutes to 30 minutes um, and introducing the opportunity for learners to earn actually a half credit, which is um, related to the 30 minutes of education. So we are seeing slowly changes. Well, maybe maybe the micro learning, even shorter periods, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that would be the future. I'm very curious to hear what uh, Gabor thinks about that. So I will continue further with um, we're trying to find out, Gabor, what are the major changes in learner behavior that you have experienced over the last year? Well, it was not just an evolution. It was also a kind of revolution. Two years ago, all face-to-face -face learning experiences were converted into digital format. Usually the same agenda, the same setup, just everything online. But the major change happened, you know, actually last year when online meetings were structured differently. They were built differently. The sessions were done differently. So there were great examples where, for example, instead of a three full day conference, the conference was spread across two weeks and two day sessions every day. So practically, you know, with online learning experience, you need to design the length, the format, the recordings differently. So it is not just you transposing the same practices that you had with face-to-face -face meetings and you put it in online, but you need to convert practically every single piece of information, how you engage people, how you inform them. And one of the key items is also somewhat linked to the CME accreditation. If some physician will only attend a fraction of the learning experience, can they get accreditation for a fraction? Because that was a major change. In the past, learning experience, a half a day session, one day session, three days conference, people went there, they stayed there. Now they have to integrate those learning experiences into daily work. That's what we observe with our programs that physicians spend maybe half an hour today or tomorrow when they want, where they want. 95% of interactions are mobile, so everything should be working super efficiently on a mobile phone so if you need to interact it has to be managed and especially we received a number of uh, comments from from men who has bigger fingers so they need to have on the screen something that can you know activated you know with someone who's got bigger hands as well so certainly that was a change another uh, observation that we, we noticed a typical doctor attends five conferences a year so it was five conference of our learning experiences before COVID, then five or even more online experiences in 20 and 2021. And we estimate in the future, it will be still a combination because I fully agree with the five senses that people will go to Barcelona match, but they will not go to Manchester United match. They will not go. So it will be a bit of a combination that people will decide, yes, the desire to meet people, the desire to smell the airport, the desire to drink the lousy coffee served in a conference, it is still there, but whether will it be worth to spend three days and substantial financial resources to get there and being away from work, people will have to make a trade-offs. So they will select probably one or two events they go in person and the rest they will take online. 
and and from the learning experience point of view the desire to learn is there because just look into precision medicine so oncologists they need to learn how to diagnose lung cancer patients who represent only one or two percent of the patient population so the, the level of detail is incredible it is growing and they need to learn somewhere and and as, as ono said those experiences should be short even below 10 minutes currently in our programs people need to collect six sessions of 10 minutes to earn one credit but maybe in the future it will be even even broken down to shorten time time periods so i think the learner behavior interest is there but they will only go and watch learning which is relevant for them and very open uh, very clearly what they can implement in their daily practice practically next day so the case study based learning seems to be the 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 most popular uh, item great thank you gabor this actually touches that very much touch bases on the on my second question which is really focusing on preferences of our learners um, we're all involved in the development of medical education really targeted. Um, Ono, do you have something to add? Yeah, to absolutely. I, and I fully agree with what everything that Gabor says. Uh, and this makes it only more com complex because there are so many uh, individual learning preferences that we uh, may end up with a situation that we have to offer our learning in multiple ways. You know, I don't think there is one learner that's only want to do live meeting because you know you you yeah you can't go everywhere everything and uh, um so yeah we may end up with offering our learning in multiple formats um maybe live maybe uh, streaming live maybe short formats um uh, interactive formats we, we, we i think there's an extensive list that we can think of but this may be the complexity that we should offer if you want to personalize it we have to offer it in multiple formats um which one is the best? We have to see. Um, and also, it's it's not new because sometimes I think that we're just reinventing or inventing the the online learning. Uh, we tried to do this for more than ten years, um, and long before COVID, nobody was interested in attending uh, online congresses, at least not that much. Um, so that's what why I said in the beginning. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there would be if we sway back to the old habits. Um, you know where we, um, well, we, well, we go back to 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 sort to most alive and a little bit online. Um, so we will be have to see. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm just anxious to see what's going to happen, but I can't predict. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. We are all looking forward to these new changes, where perhaps there will also be a combination of the two worlds, the best of the two worlds. Um. So in, in, in that line of thoughts, I would like to really touch base on the questions that were submitted uh, via the, uh, through the registration page. Uh, and our attendees expressed uh, a curiosity to know some of the, 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 the items. So I, I will start with, with a question. So Fatima from Italy asked, um, so she's interested, how can you address any challenges to engage learners attending online activities from different parts of the world? So obviously that's uh, a question we are all very much interested in. So Gabor, what would you say about that? Well, uh, that's a super relevant question. And uh, I just recently read a book produced by Robin about you know what are the different reasons people go for CME courses. 
So I think this is very relevant. There, are, there can be individual reasons, there can be institutional reasons, there could be national reasons, you know, why people are encouraged. And there is a big variety. So depending on, on the country, you know, where, where people will join, either they are inspired by themselves that I want to treat patients, you know, in a certain way, or they can be sent or delegated by the hospital director or in some hospitals, they already have an education department to say, look, this is the way that the medical uh, treatment is evolving. So we need three, four, five physicians who specialize in a certain area. And this is where some individuals should go and acquire this knowledge so they can bring it back. So there is a slightly different reason why people turn up. The other thing is, you know, with global education programs, it is difficult to capture the national specifics. You know, the treatment algorithms, the guidelines are not always the same. Sometimes, you know, medications have a slightly different labels. So people need to understand that some of the, the global programs, they are more focusing on what is the theoretical approach, what are the results from the clinical trials, what are the best practices to explain, because very often, even if physicians have the, the right knowledge about how to treat, but if they cannot convey the right message to the patients and the patients do not understand the condition, they do not comply with the treatment. So I think, I think there is a much greater emphasis on communicating with patients, engaging with patients. So they, they do what they're supposed to do. They turn off on controls. They take the lifestyle changes because medication, they do miracles, but very often they are not the only solution. So with online activities, definitely include interactions. So in our programs, uh, uh, we ask a number of didactic questions in the program and the questions have no right or wrong answer. So people have to pick what kind of diagnostic pathway they would do, what kind of medication they would do, and then they can review what other learners said. So 35% of previous learners who considered they voted for diagnostic tool one, for other for diagnostic tool three. So it will encourage people that there is very often, there is not one single solution. And also at the end of the case study, the QOL who was the author of the case study would explain, this is what we did and this is what we, uh, we achieved, but of course, in different parts of the world, you might have a different approach. So it is rather inspiring people about treatment options instead of telling that there is only one solution and in the learning program, this is what you need to learn and we will test whether you can confirm this is the only solution. So this is the past. We would rather encourage people to absorb different approaches and combine medical science with communication tools and also more and more using e-health e tools because, you know, the apps, the companion apps, the diagnostic apps, the diagnostic procedures are getting more and more focused, especially when it comes to the personalized medicine. So I think, uh, Fatima, you're absolutely right. This is a, a, a valid question, but to define the right structure in the CME and, and also to ensure the applicability of the learning is not always 100%. I think that would provide some uh, value to learners as well. Thank you, Gabor. Thank you. I think this um, explained a lot. Um, so moving on, um, on to you. Um, I'm actually very much interested to hear um, about expectations from from podcast. This is a quite a quite a new format that we see in medical education. Um, 
Martijn from the Netherlands asked us, uh, what can we expect from medical podcasts as a formal for CME? How would you comment on that? You're asking me? Yes. <laughs> well, Martijn is my colleague, but I think we have a lot of discussion about how, because podcasts, no, no question, is increasing in popularity. Um, um, and, and even my, my, my kids are recommending it. You know, they, 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 they show me how to use the podcast and they're really fans of it. Um, and um, so there's no question about it. The thing, you know, if you want to get the CME accreditation, um, one of the big problems is, you know, the, 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 the type of control environment where you want to have your learning environment, you know, that, 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 that is not matching with the podcast because the podcast you want to have as a download or a stream is not in a CME environment. So there's no check of who you are, uh, there's no time, no, no timing, and it's hard to do your pre-post testing. Um, so um, the question is, is podcast just nice as a learning, but not CME? I think it is. Um, and if you want, and we think about, we need to think about uh, ways that we can get it as a CME accredited format. We are doing a pilot in the Netherlands now that we uh, um, ask physicians who download it or, or listen to a podcast, have to go to our learning environment and answer some of the post questions. Uh, and the questions can only be addressed when you have listened to the podcast. Um, and we are going to test if this is a, a format that can be accredited. Um, but then still you have to rely that somebody who's listened to a podcast, you have to go to your computer or do the, 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 the post test and the evaluation. Um, yeah, it would be nice if we can find a format that we can um, get this uh, part of the CME uh, offering. Absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you. And I think we should have an open conversations with uh, creators and with other providers that are considering using that format and really focus on how can we use technology to best optimize this sort of formats because we see that they're very successful. I mean, we all, we had a discussion in our group here. We all use podcasts on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and to on to the point of regulation, actually, there was a comment received uh, in a in a Q and A uh, panel. Um, someone is asking about concern about regulation of these online events. So I would relay that uh, um, to the podcast as well. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I think you. Know, I can comment on that. I think it's 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 the same level of trust that we have to CME. You know, we as a CME uh, practice group, we have our own standards for 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 quality education. I think the, the, these apply to everything we do. So these should also apply to, uh, to, to how we do the online learning. Well, and also, yeah, just, just add to the regulation because on one hand there is an accreditation part, but also there is, you know, for online events, how can you make sure that you keep the time? So very often more and more we have pre-recorded sessions where the speakers have, you know, 20-minute slot, they exactly finish after 50 minutes time, and they have the infographics behind, like, you know, in the weather forecast, and then they turn up in person for the Q&A session. So that would ensure that, you know, the right message is delivered, there is no Wi-Fi connection problem, there is no dog barking in the background. So that's from the different point of view when it comes to the, to the regulation. So there is a huge evolution from that respect as well. And also the pre-recorded session, it is not just useful during the learning experience, but it can be repurposed easily. So if someone couldn't attend the webinar, then the recorded version can be available on demand. And, and actually on demand is, is, is getting much more popularity now. 
Thank you, Gabor. Thank you. Um, well, and, and, and just to add on that with the on-demand, uh, you know, because it was about the global, in, uh, with the on-demand, you can much more address the international needs because you can add subtitling and, you know, you make it available for everybody whenever they want. So, referring to the previous question. Well, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, we produced a program and we were surprised that, you know, 25% of people from New Zealand and Australia. So it's a completely other end of the world, which with face-to-face with -face settings, you would never be able to achieve. And, and some of those were even viral because we have informed the network of physicians who could be interested, but those links can be forwarded to different people and through different channels. So we, we got surprised, you know, from which regions people turn up and complete the session. Thank you. And, and Monica's question from, from the chat, she's asking if the content in a video or a podcast, what do we see any, any difference in engagement, actually? Engagement is a very hot topic nowadays. Well, I think it's hard to measure because you really, you know, a, 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 a podcast, you cannot really measure the engagement. At least, I don't know how, but maybe... Um... We have not... Well. Oh no, I would go back to your five senses, right? In video, you can hear, see, and sometimes even interact. In podcast, you know, you eliminate the, v, the C. Well, maybe one day we will offer, you know, a smelling of the airport or smelling, you know, the conference coffee so to inspire people so they can close their eyes and they can imagine that they are in one of the big conference halls to give yeah, them but... uh, inspiration. But listening to a nice video on a nice beach, uh, I think you know that 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 covers a lot of the five senses. <laughs> yeah, and and I think the that exactly oh no because if if I'm commuting on a train, probably listening to something is more convenient than watching. Yeah. So it is not or video or or podcast. Yeah. It is more in which situation you know it is more suitable. If I spend two hours a day in commuting and I can't watch because of I don't want other people to see, you know, what they're watching or, you know, I don't want my battery life expire. I will just listen. So I can easily imagine that the same content can be produced both in podcast version and video version. Absolutely. Wonderful. Just to be conscious of time, because we're very close to towards the end, there were some questions that were addressed, um, which I will type in the, in the chat area. But for our experts here, Ono and Gabor, I really want to touch base on, on one last uh, questions. And I would like very much like to hear your remarks on that. Um, so what, 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 what is your vision for the future of learning experience? Do you have any, anything you want to share with us on that? Ono, you can start. I, 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 well, I think I already expressed in the beginning a bit my, uh, you know, uh, I think I don't know, but but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the, if the, if, the, if we have a, re, a rebound effect, uh, going back to old habits, uh, and we go back to old habits, but but still, you know, we take advantage of all the the the, the, the innovation in online learning. Absolutely, we, you know, the, it, online learning and all the 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 the, the, the uh, innovations that we have developed over the last two years, they will stay and they may be even getting better. So online learning, yeah, is, is here to stay. Hybrid forms will there stay there. Um, but I also guess I think we are human, so so we will get back to a certain life experience. Well, I have Professor nice magic wand, so <laughs> if, if I inherit and do 
do the magic. So I think in the future, physicians will carry on learning. They need to learn. They want to learn. They will select, like the Barcelona, they will select a couple of learning experiences. They will take the pain and the cost and to go face to face. By the way, 41% of physicians attended conferences in the past through sponsorship from pharma. So there is also an important financial element because also the conference organizers and the learning program organizers, they might change the financial structure and instead of paying a full fee for three days, maybe they will depend on how long I stay on, depending on how many minutes I, I, I stay on. And, and so maybe the financial structure would be slightly different as well in the future. Uh, and short, online learning sessions where people can start and in case they need to rush they can stop and they can continue exactly as people do with streaming uh, uh, movies at home that for example that teacher were unable to do uh, to watch and listen to a session in multiple sessions and also maybe some of the algorithm can recommend that if you watch this session maybe you would be interested on a different one so instead of giving people you know 10 different modules to review and they select maybe the algorithm can understand what the system thinks would be interesting just to make sure that people have access to relevant channels and maybe there will be podcast video interactive programs or the same learning content in different learning formats because people might have different preferences so in short short sessions available on demand and relevant Thank you, Gabor and Ono. These were very, very good insights. And thank you for summarizing this uh, as a takeaway for us. I would like to thank everyone for attending. This is clearly an area with high interest for all of us. Thanks again, and we hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was GCMEP members Margarita Velchua, Ono Karkman, and Gabor Poorman discussing the changes in learner engagement with medical education. GCMEP is a membership organization for CME providers based in Europe that aims to promote professionalism within the European CME provider community. More information can be found on the group's website, gcmep.org. Thank you for listening and join us for more episodes as we explore all things CME CPD.